Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unwind Minds. This is Raquel Pasbergia, your host, and today we have Sangeeta with us. She is a somatic experiencing practitioner, and she leads a therapy and coaching practice. And today she's here to talk to us about how the neurobiology of high achievement works. So I'll let you get right to it. Thank you, Raquel. It's, it's absolute pleasure being here. And um, um, hello, everybody that's listening to it in the present or in the future. Uh, my name is Sangeeta Parthasarthi. I am a somatic experiencing practitioner. I'm a mom of two and a former doula. And I was a strategy consultant before that. And I'm a geek. I have a lot of research-based degrees and <laughs> um, in, in a typical like, kind of research fashion. And my husband has a PhD, so we're both pretty nerdy like that. And when we became parents, we researched on birth and did everything that we could and almost did a PhD in that, etc. And um, after my children were born, I quit my job, became a doula, and then I became a somatic experiencing practitioner. Uh, my, my approach is neurobiology based um, uh, and uh, I offer a wide variety of neurobiology based uh, interventions for um, various aspects of one's functioning and mm -hmm. uh, my focus uh, is on high achievers so I thought we could talk a little bit about that and uh, the neurobiology of high achievers. So um, this is this is when you talk about the neurology of a high achiever there is an inherent paradox in that now let's talk about why so when you think about uh, a high functioning or high achieving nervous system when you think about the executive functioning parts of the brain for one to be academically successful or complete tasks for example the part of the brain that is associated with impulse control and delayed gratification broadly works in all high achievers, right? That's one of the parts of the executive functioning piece that works the way it's supposed to for the achievement pieces. Parallelly, what we also observe is that there is a high big a big percentage of high achievement neurology is a sympathetically driven nervous system so for those of you that need a little bit of sympathetic is the doing part of the nervous system and the parasympathetic is the rest and digest part of the nervous system and then there is another branch of the parasympathetic which is very very early evolutionary which is called the dorsal vagal system which is like an emergency brake Okay, so um, when you so when you think about the neuro neurobiology of a high achiever, this is a nervous system that is primed for action, which is sympathetically driven, right? Now, this the paradox is is that for us to stay optimally functional in the sympathetic nervous system, we need a really good amount of ventral vagal tone and capacity. So ventral vagus is the front part of the nervous system. This is the social engagement piece. This is necessary for us to feel safe and connected in the world. So when we are on sympathetic overdrive, that means that we are, the system is functioning really, really fast sometimes without the ventral vagal capacity or the cushioning 
So you think of ventral vagal as your car's um, shock absorption system, right? So as the car is going faster, you need super high quality cushioning systems. Otherwise, it'll be a bumpy road. The engine's going to go all crazy, right? Yes. So sometimes what can happen, so sometimes what can happen is that when this ventral vagal, the cushioning effect um, is low or non-existent or depletes over a period of time, and I'll talk about why, the body, the nervous system sometimes over, over relies on the parasympathetic dorsal brake, which is the emergency brake, in order to regulate, to come back to homeostasis, you know, for functioning. So what happens when we use the handbrake in the car as the primary way to stop the car? Now, that's going to affect your brakes, your engine, and the whole functioning of the car. And this is the paradox of the neurobiology of the high achiever, is that the perfectionism, the not good enough, the really fast thinking, etc., that's one side. However, there is a in, a, in a big percentage of this kind of high achievement, what we're also seeing, and this is the paradox, is that lurking behind that and what is driving this parasympathetic overdrive is not a ventrally mediated, um, ventrally means socially engaged and safe and connected, right? So it's not necessarily sometimes coming from an authentic, uh, you know, place, but it is lurking behind that can be shame and not good enoughness and burnout and stress. Therefore, we, shame can be a very dorsal state, freezy kind of emergency break state. Like, I just want to be color, and we don't want to feel that, right? Therefore, I'm going to drive as fast as I can. Right. And the faster I drive, the more stress I'm putting on my car's cushioning system, which is the ventral vagal, right? And then that's the cycle. In addition to this, many different aspects of high achievement can be culturally mediated and collectively mediated, right? So you have additive trauma factors, which are collective, right? Racial, uh, you know, um, immigration and uh, model minority and, you know, all of these other factors that are driving this sympathetic overdrive. And it's not that the sympathetically driven nervous system itself is the problem it's not yeah what what we need to make sure is that there is good quality ventral vagal tone therefore that drive so it's like you're, you're driving and but then your brakes your cushioning system all of that is working really well therefore you can win the marathon right and not sprint yourself and you know so this is um this is the this is broadly um, the neurology behind uh, the high achievement nervous system. Right, amazing. Because I think that at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that are high achievers, and then they don't really understand what's going on inside of them and why they feel the feeling of burnout, why they feel stressed over and over and over again. And so I think that this is a great way to understand what's going on inside of many brains and inside of many people and the way that they're feeling. And so I know that you also sort of work with parenting and how these things can be interconnected. So could you give us a quick breakdown of how we can sort of associate high achievers and how they sort of go through the movements of becoming parents or considering becoming parents? Yes, 
Um, so thank you for that. So um, again, building on this paradox a little bit, sometimes high achievement itself may be a, an, an adaptive stress response because when the sympathetic is on overdrive, you know, let's go, 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 right? So when you think about this neurology and when we go out into the world, the outer world, and, and you know, there are types of adaptive trauma responses or stress responses that get richly rewarded in this, you know, patriarchy, capitalistic society that we're living in. And we all live in it. Nobody's living off the grid, right? But um, for example, if you're, a, if you're a workaholic and that's your attachment, and that, that's your primary um, trauma response, then that's kind of richly rewarded in the short term. Uh, however, Longer term, it takes a big toll on your nervous system. So that's one. Then when two of these nervous systems come together in an intimate partnership, um, you are talking about two nervous systems which are primarily sympathetically driven where the parasympathetic tone that the ventral vagal brings may or may not be the, the shock absorber basically, right? And then the shock absorber work sometimes may um, get rusty due to overuse or some parts may kind of get stuck due to overuse because of bumpy roads, right? So then one or both, usually both nerve systems are reliant on the handbrake to mediate, to, to bring the, to slow down or stop. Therefore, you're going to have incredible sympathetic highs and very deep parasympathetic lobes. So when you're in that handbrake type situation, what happens is dissociation, depersonalization, addiction, addictive sort of, or controlling sort of tendencies, or just freeze, avoidance, right? Avoiding intimacy, avoiding partnerships. So there's that on one side. And then when you, if you think about um, high achievement as a trauma response to being raised in a household that prioritized achievement and performance. So early attachment, so when a child comes into this world, the child's neurology, this ventral vagal tone is predicated on having attuned caregivers which provide consistent or a team of caregivers which provide consistent, contingent, so this is different, and attuned attachment experiences. So when we think of attachment, we think love. You know, most parents love their children and want to do right by their children, etc. But this is different. What we're saying is attunement, meaning I'm going to witness you and stay in connection with you long enough to really understand what uh, is going through. But also remember that we, when a child is born, we don't have the neurology to self-regulate for a very long time. So we are reliant on our mirror neurons to mirror off of our parents, so they are our caregivers, right? So we are dependent on somebody in the household being master co-regulators right. to um, provide that, right? So... If you have a high achievement neurology where you developed a sympathetic overdrive or achievement as a trauma response uh, in lieu of secure attachment, mm -hmm. 
then it is really hard to stay in connection in a partnership. And it's really, really hard when we become parents, because guess what? Now we are being asked to provide the cushioning that we may not have had a lot of, or we may have had too much of in a way that was detrimental to the neurology or inconsistent or sometimes hostile, right? Therefore, if the kind of high achievement neurology that these two people have had that element, then it's really hard to stay in intimacy. It is also really hard to be parents because what you need to be in an intimate partnership and what you need to be an attuned, uh, contingent, secure base for your children is have a good quality ventral tone. Therefore, you can stay connected through conflict. Right. And if this body is primarily reliant on the dorsal break or the handbrake, then it becomes really hard for us to model that to the children, right? Through through dysregulation and conflict. Therefore, uh, I have this to say, and 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 this is why uh, meditation, sometimes even medication, gratitude, journaling, mindfulness, even to a certain extent, does not work for high achievers, and sometimes exacerbates the form or the people pleasing response. So when you do gratitude journaling, and you are um, you you say are a BIPOC body you you are uh, somebody you know other than a white cishet male if you're anybody else right sometimes when you do the gratitude thing you have had to rely on the fawn response which is neurobiologically in the parasympathetic realm sometimes if you have that dorsal handbrake type neurology then it exacerbates it right then it actually is not helping you because what you need is to mobilize your sympathetic along with ventral, right? And so this is why even meditative practices sometimes for those who have the handbrake neurology where it goes straight into the dorsal shutdown thing, meditation can actually trigger more of that without the right, you know, ventral vagal, you know, support. And then you think about, authority figures and fawning and guru and all the trauma associated with that, then guess what? Then, you know, it's very likely uh, that that causes dissociation, the dorsal, the handbrake thing, right? So journaling again, if there is a lot of fragmentation in the system, which is popularly known as ADHD, like if you go to TikTok, everybody has ADHD these days, right? Um, but actually, we miss a big part of this stress neurology, the trauma neurology, where um, there's a lot of fragmentation. Therefore, it's really hard to stick to a structure. And then if you miss journaling for a couple of days, guess what? If you're a high achiever, the flip side to that is there is a lot of toxic shame, the not good enough thing that pushed you to achieve in the first place, but it's also constantly self-critical. So I miss journaling for two days. Oh my God, you know, shame spiral, shame spiral. This is not for me. I'm broken. Nothing's going to help me. And that sort of thing, right? So uh, this is why I, I want to be really clear that uh, meditation, gratitude, journaling, again, mindfulness is a mixed bag, depends on how you do it, who you do it with. Um, for me, this is my thing. Um, 
the, you know, it's, I, I, I am not a big fan of DIY courses and group courses for trauma healing because especially for high achievers, because we are very, very good at cerebral thinking and intellectualizing everything, right? If you ask any high achiever, they can tell you about trauma. They've read all the books, they know all the theory, etc. And the actual healing happens in the presence of a co-regulated other. So this is when your ventral vagal, the social engagement piece of the nervous system, the eyes, the ears, the, the you know, we're on Zoom, you and I are talking, and there's a minute, second by second, microsecond by microsecond neuroception, which is different from perception, because neuroception is under the realm of consciousness, uh, decision-making, split-second decision-making that my body and your body are doing in real time to figure out whether we're safe or not. If I said or did anything that threatened that, this would have been broken straight away, right? Right. So so my thing is three things. For, if you have a high achievement neurology, then um, these things are not going to work for you. DIY courses, like, especially if you're fragmenting, because I don't think you, sh- you can do trauma in a DIY manner because you'll, you'll hear a recording and it will trigger and shut down and then more shame spirals, etc. Same thing with group calls, even to show up or not show up, right? It can be really hard. So find somebody who can do the one-to-one work with you. Zoom works amazingly, right? With the digital, so much of co-regulation you can do with voice, with uh, facial expressions, for example. And then find somebody who understands high achievement neurology. Um, and then if you're really desirous of having like a passionate, deep, intimate relationship or ships, right? Um, or if parenting is anywhere in the horizon, then I would say, you know, early 20s is a really good time to start rewiring that pattern. You know, I see many parents who come to me after the after two kids and all of that, and then they're doing it then. But equally, I also have very, I have 18 year olds in my practice who are like, I may want to become a parent at some point, but I, you know, I, I may want to be in a committed relationship at some point, but I want to do my, you know, take care of what's mine first because then it helps you figure out what's yours and what's theirs so the whole even relationship dating red flags that we talk about right it's really hard to find out what's yours and what's theirs and therefore when you've done this work of rewiring the nervous system you can differentiate between what's fear and what is gut instinct what is a trauma response versus what is a gut instinct? And then that will give you the answers and that would come from your body and not in like a cognitive, I read tons of books kind of way. So, Well, thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. I feel like whether p- people are considering being parents or committed relationships, anything, I feel like it's important to understand who they are and through this process, they can go through it and understand, okay, like you just said, the differences between who they are and who their partner may be. So um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and sharing all of this valuable information. And to the listeners, I'll see you next time.